Diana, and I love printing and design, typography and branding, books and publishing. I've traveled the world learning about trends to share with my students and with my readers. But I haven't forgotten where I started, writing papers about paper on paper. And now I've created a podcast to share what I know with you. So let's talk paper scissors. Let's pick up where we left off on our journey through the alphabet, using it as a framework to explore the ABCs of GCM. S is for saddle stitch. A fancy term for industrial stapling, saddle stitching gets its name from the way paper looks as it travels along the machine. Books are made up of groupings of pages called signatures that are brought together in binding equipment. Perfect binding and saddle stitching are two of the most common book binding techniques. In the case of small booklets destined for the saddle stitcher, folded signatures are loaded into what are called hoppers. Each signature gets its own hopper, its own cozy spot to hang out before meeting the rest of the signatures in the book. When all the signatures are loaded into the hoppers and ready to be assembled, the first hopper spits out the signature onto a long, narrow conveyor, and the paper looks like a saddle sitting on a horse. The conveyor is like the horse itself, you see. As the signature moves along the conveyor and passes by the next hopper, the next signature and sequence drops down on top of the first, like two saddles now stacked on top of one another. The growing booklet moves down the line, adding each signature in succession until finally the cover is placed on top. A large coil of metal wire then pierces the spine of the book in maybe two or three places. The book is trimmed down on three sides to its final size with something called a three knife trimmer, which is basically a huge scary chopping knife that cuts through paper like a hot knife through butter. Lastly, the final stapled booklet is spit out the back of the machine. And as the old saying goes, save a horse, ride a saddle stitcher. T is for trim size. Trim size is simply the final size of a printed document. It's called the trim size because it's quite literally the final size after trimming the excess paper off a document before it's shipped to a customer all around the edges. Trim size is often described in inches because the printing industry and design industry in North America don't believe in the metric system. And sometimes trim sizes are actually quite odd. So for example, A 5-inch by 8-inch printed product is manufactured, but often so is a 5 and 7 16th inch by 7 and 7 8 inch printed piece. If you were to measure some of the books on your bookshelf right now, you would probably find that most of them err on the side of weird dimensions versus whole numbers or half numbers. And this usually has to do with maximizing the project for the press it will be printed on, as well as the size or width of the paper used. 
Also remember that if you are designing a project for print, you will likely also have to build in bleed allowance into the digital file. So bleed allowance is typically an additional one eighth of an inch that extends beyond the trim size. It's there so that the elements on the page, like a graphic element or a photo, that's designed to extend all the way to the edge of the printed page in the final piece, will actually look that way when it's printed and trimmed down. You can think about bleed in the same way that you might think about making a sandwich. Stick with me. Picture bleed as the crust on the sandwich. So you're going to spread whatever filling is inside the sandwich all the way to the crust, but it's not gonna be perfect, neat and tidy all the way around. However, when you cut the crust off all four sides, you're left with a neat and tidy sandwich with filling all the way to the edges. And that's exactly how and why bleed works in print. Add some additional size to the digital file, print at that larger size, and then cut the bleed area off so that the job is in its final trim size and looks neat and tidy with image area extending all the way to the trim. And now you're left with a beautiful, yummy printed piece. U is for UV coating. Coating is applied to a printed piece for a number of reasons. So for protection, for visual appeal and impact, and or for increased tactility. There are three commonly used types of coating. Aqueous, also known as AQ coating, lamination, which is kind of like a subcategory of coating, and ultraviolet or UV coating. So AQ coating is often applied in line on press typically by flooding the whole press sheet after it's been printed with a low sheen protective top coat. It's like a clear coat of nail polish applied on top of pretty painted nails. Lamination is not a liquid coating at all, but a film of protective plastic applied on top of the printed work. Books are often laminated in either gloss or matte finish, as lamination provides the most protection of all three options. And UV coating is, in my opinion, the most fun of the coating options. UV coating is the party girl of the three with wild and wacky possibilities for the final result. UV coating is a liquid coating similar to AQ. However, it's formulated to dry instantly when hit with UV light. This provides the opportunity to apply UV coating to only a specific place or places on the design. So for example, to the title of a book or creating a realistic kind of wet look on packaging. So this opens up a world of possibility to the visual impact and increased tactility, activating both visual and touch sensory experiences. UV coating is similar to getting your nails painted at the salon that uses UV curable polish and then instantly, when you put your fingers under, they dry under UV light, if you're into that sort of thing. V is for virgin paper. Log made it through the wilderness. It was about to be chewed. Didn't know what a forgerier was until the pulp stewed. It was beat, incomplete. It was sad. Optical brighteners made it blue, but you made it peel. Yeah, you rolled onto the reel, calendared and new. 
like a virgin. Paper, touched for the very first time. Like a virgin. Paper, feel the warm sheets or rewind. The paper making process is quite extraordinary. I had the opportunity to visit a paper mill when I was in Cornerbrook, Newfoundland a number of years ago, and the entire operation is supersized. As I entered the building wearing full protective gear and climbed this tall industrial staircase, I saw the front end of the paper making process laid out before me. Massive logs were transported from the yard to wood chipping machines that looked like huge dryer drums right below me, churning and chewing up entire trees. The view was made way more dramatic by my vantage point through metal grates below my feet as I walked across a long metal walkway, two stories above said ominous scene. Needless to say, I survived the experience and I was forever grateful to the paper mill for giving me an insider's look. This mill produced virgin paper, which is paper produced with materials sourced entirely from natural resources, trees, versus sourced from recycled paper sources. The raw materials for virgin paper is often sourced from sustainable forests, thank goodness, and the most well-known certification being the FSC, Forest Stewardship Council. Others include the AFF, or Ancient Forest Friendly, and SFI, Sustainable Forestry Initiative. These environmental stamps of approval communicate that no old growth trees were harmed in the making of this book and more trees were planted in its place. Paper with some amount of recycled content is another popular option that may contain recycled fibers from one of two categories, pre-consumer waste, and post-consumer waste. Let me explain the difference. Pre-consumer waste means that paper or wood products contained in the paper did not reach the consumer before being recycled. So off-cut wood chips from sawmills or huge bales of scrap off-cuts from printing companies are shipped back to the paper manufacturer, repulped, and made into pre-consumer recycled paper. Post-consumer waste refers to the paper made with materials that have been used and then discarded by the consumer through a municipal recycling program, curbside pickup, and then it's shipped back and transformed into new paper. But no matter how eco-friendly we want to be as a society, we can't rely solely on 100% recycled paper all the time. Paper fibers break down each time they are recycled, and these fibers can only be recycled an equivalent of about seven times before they become too short and too weak to use any longer. So unlike a material such as glass, which can be theoretically recycled forever and ever, paper must be virgin at some point in the process. W is for watermark. For many, the term watermark is synonymous with digital watermarks, so markings overlaid on top of creative works and other digital documents as protection from being used without permission. Stock photography sites are common examples. So these lightened marks, these lightened watermarks, can be any size, shape, or imagery. Like many terms in the digital world that come from traditional communication, so think scroll or tablet, watermark is no different. 
In papermaking, watermarks are distinct areas of the sheet with greater translucency that come into full view when held up to the light, often a recycled symbol or a company logo, for example. Watermarks are also part of many countries' printed currency, stamps, and passports, helping to ensure enhanced security features that are difficult for forgers to replicate. So how are watermarks made? Well, they are impressed into the paper during the papermaking process, and their origins date back to Italy as early as the year 1282. More modern watermarks, so modern as in kind of 1826, are created using a metal embossed image that is impressed into the paper when it is still pulpy. This changes the thickness of the sheet in those specific areas, allowing for light to pass through more easily. So while digital watermarks can be created on the fly, paper watermarks are anything but spontaneous. X is for X-height. In typography, the X-height, also called the waistline, is defined as the height of the lowercase letters, from the baseline to the top of the lowercase letters, minus any ascenders. It's the height of the lowercase X, in other words. So curved lowercase letters, A, C, O, etc., tend to be a smidgen taller than the X-height as their rounded tops overshoot the X-height slightly to provide the same visual proportions as their straight-edged lowercase counterparts. Typically, the larger the X-height, the more readable a typeface. However, like most instances in typography and in life, a fine balance is best. The Goldilocks principle should be taken into consideration. Not too big, not too small, just right. A medium sitting X-height means that the letter forms will be recognizable and understandable for most readers reading the text. This is an important attribute for accessibility considerations and choosing letter forms that will be quickly recognized by most individuals. Mama Bear knows best. Y is for yellow. Yellow is sunny. Yellow is bright. Yellow is happy. It's one of the four process colors that help transform an image into over one million possible printed colors. Here are a few more fun facts about the brightest color of the Fab Four. It's sandwiched between orange and green on the visible spectrum of light, AKA the rainbow. The word yellow originated from the old English word geolu. Yellow often indicates caution because it's easily visible. Yellow street signs or a yellow card in soccer, for example. The same cautionary phenomenon is present in nature. For example, bees and wasps are yellow and that's a warning for other animals to stay away. Yellow is said to have a stimulating effect on the mind. And yellow is a theme in many popular songs. Coldplay's massive hit, Yellow, helped the band achieve worldwide fame in the year 2000. The Beatles released their quirky track, Yellow Submarine, in 1966, and Wiz Khalifa's Black and Yellow, released in 2010, was nominated for a Grammy Award. What can I say? They call me Mellow Yellow. 
Z is for zip file. A zip or a compressed file is commonly used to include multiple files within a folder into a single sendable file. This not only takes up less space, but it also assists in situations where a series of files or a folder need to be sent by email or to a digital Dropbox, but where only a single file can be uploaded. A zip file is kind of like Cinderella. Lots of hard work housed within her world. She wants to travel to the ball, but she's not allowed. A fairy godmother appears and, just like magic, zips her up into a beautiful little file. If the fairy godmother is a Mac user, she right-clicks the folder and selects Compress, creating a single .zip file that can be transferred or sent like any other file can. But the magic can't last forever. At midnight, or when you receive a zip file that you want to unzip or open, the magic runs out. When on receiving the file on the other end, simply double-click on that little file. Just like Cinderella, it turns back into a working folder of files. If the story teaches us anything, it's that one day her prince will come. (laughs) There you have it, the ABCs of GCM. Today we come to the very last letter of the alphabet, the ampersand. This 27th character had its 15 minutes of fame as part of the alphabet in the 1800s, with school children commonly reciting a poem called Apple Pie ABC to learn their alphabet. Here is our little version. A is for author's alterations. B is for barcode. C is for creative cloud. D is for descender. E is for end papers. F is for fifth color. G is for grain. H is for hickeys. I is for imposition. J is for justified. K is for kilobyte. L is for letting. M is for make ready. N is for newsprint. O is for offset. P is for PPI. Q is for choir. R is for ream. S is for saddle stitch. T is for trim size. U is for UV coating. V is for virgin paper, W is for watermark, X, Y, Z, and ampersand all wished for a piece of paper in hand. <laughs>